week, we, we touched on the last couple of verses of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 and following. And that's the part where we get to the Lord's Prayer. This is the prequel verses, okay? These are the verses that lay the foundation. We read them last week, but we didn't focus in or, or kind of uh, unpack them like we are today. And so if you've got your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be reading verses 5 through 8. So if you could stand for the reading of God's Word. Jesus is recorded by Matthew, who was there when Jesus said this. This is in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and Jesus says this, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling on like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Okay, so last week, again, we, we touched on the structure of prayer. This week, we're going to be talking about the heart of prayer. How then should we pray? But last week, just as a review, do you guys remember the acronym that we had um, to remember the structure of the Lord's Prayer? What was it? DSAP. That's right. Okay, do you remember what, what it stood for? Yeah, don't start by asking punk. Because honestly, most of our prayer starts by asking. That's like our, our go-to like beginning of prayer. And Jesus said, no, 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 prayer looks like this. And, and do, you, do you remember what each of these stand for? What does the D stand for? Declare God's glory, right. Declare, declare God's glory. Because we're starting off by saying, we're not starting off by saying, hey, I need, I need. We're starting off by saying, hey, I know who I'm talking to. I'm not talking to my friend down the street. I'm not texting my girlfriend. I'm not talking to my grandma. I'm talking to the creator of everything. I get it. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Declare God's glory. And then we get to the S. Remember what the S was? Surrender, right? Surrender your will. Because basically it's saying I, in prayer, like, look, I'm going to ask you for something that I want to happen, but I get it. I get that I don't know what I don't know. I get that I don't get what you get. And so because I know you get it and I don't get it, I'm saying I'm surrendering to your will. And so that's what S is. So declaring God's glory, surrendering to, surrendering to your will. And what's the A? What's that? Acknowledge, yeah. I don't know why we made this so complicated. It, it's acknowledge God as provider. We should have just put ask because that would have been way easier to remember because that's the part where we ask God something. God the Father doesn't want us just to just like go on and on about how awesome he is. He wants us to bring our heart to him. And so ask away. Don't hold back. Ask and ask and ask. But again, Jesus said we get to that point after we do the beginning. So, we declare God's glory, we surrender our will, we ask God something, and then the P is where we have pardon. We're asking God for forgiveness. God, forgive me. Forgive me and help me know who I need to forgive. And God, also protect. Protect me from, from Satan's schemes. That, that's like the structure of prayer. And so what we do as, we, as we're looking into the passage that Jesus had before that, we get to see the, kind of the underlying how then should we pray type of a model. And Jesus starts off by saying this. And when you pray, don't be like who? I mean, I'm not saying name names, but hypocrites, right. All right, you guys know any hypocrites? 
Yeah, yeah, me too. I look at them every day. It's crazy. <laughs> Hypocrites, and th- this word for hypocrite is the Greek word that was used for um, actors in the Greek theater. People that would like, they didn't have the money or the resources to have tons of actors. And so you couldn't have someone playing every part. And so you had like one person that was like, okay, I'm going to put on this mask. And as this mask, I'm the villain. And then I'm going to take off this mask and do like a little cartwheel turnaround and put on another mask. And now I'm the hero. And so I could play multiple parts. I'm two-faced. That's where you get the idea of two-faced from. And so hypocrites, that's the concept. It's, it's, it's an actor. It's a poser. And so Jesus is like, and when you pray, don't be like the posers. Don't be like the actors. Don't be like the people that, that are just like out there and acting. Instead, for, the, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by who? Others. Jesus' big deal is that prayer's got a real important audience, and it's not others. So Jesus is, is identifying the fact that there's some people who like to pray out loud to be heard by others. But guess what? I don't think that this is the greatest problem or challenge we have in today's Christianity, right? Because honestly, if I said, who would like to pray out loud? Everyone's not going to be like, oh, oh, me first, me first, me first. How many of you, if I asked you to pray, would be like, ah, no. Okay, honestly, because I'm not calling you. What? Okay, good. Yeah, now the hands are going up. Some of you are like, seriously, you want me to talk to Jesus out loud? Okay, you're going to have to kill me. And then I could talk to him out loud. Up until that point, it's silent. Here's the thing. One of the things that that Jesus is attacking is this arrogance, this self-centeredness, this idea that that, um, I want people to think highly of me by having these awesome Gettysburg Address prayers that are just amazing and awesome and super professional. I want people to think highly of me by doing that. And so Jesus is talking about that. That's self-centered. But some of you learn that being self-centered is not just making much of yourself. There's a lot of people who are self-centered who are not making much of themselves. They actually think they're awful. And and so like some people like they're like all like I'm amazing, I'm amazing, self-centered. The other side of that coin are the people that are like I'm terrible, I'm horrible, I've got nothing to offer, I'm I'm just, I'm scum. That's also being self-centered because I'm being obsessed with how others view me. If you ask this person, can you, can you do this? Oh, I don't know if I could do that. I just, I, 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 I'd mess it up. I, I'm not, I'm not skilled. I'm disqualified. I don't, I, that's focusing on the response of others, just like the people who are touting their amazing prayer life. So with this, one of the things I want us to see here is that Jesus is calling us into a way of praying that by saying, listen, you need to relax here. Because the type of prayer I'm after is real. It's authentic prayers, not fancy prayers, not professional sounding prayers. Some of the people that, that um, when, when I'm talking to someone and, uh, and when I'm discussing a prayer or something, and we're just talking about life, and, and then I, I bring up, hey, you know what, would you mind praying after this meeting? Or would you mind praying, you know, um, one Sunday in church or something? And one of the things that they constantly say is like, ah, I couldn't do that. Like, you can do what? I can't pray out loud. Why? Well, yeah, I just, I'm not a very good prayer. Well, cool. Awesome. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Awesome. Could you, could you help me out with that? Could you pray? No, dude, I can't. Like, seriously, I'd, I'd mess it up. I'm like, you just talked with me using your mouth out loud and, and just in the last couple of minutes, and you had no problem. You just told me about your week. In fact, that's one of the things I'd like, I like to have people go through an exercise with is, is like, okay, if you have a hard time with prayer, just do this for me. Talk with me. How was your week this past week? Well, it was, I don't know, it was weird. It was like complicated. The beginning of the week was really good, but then all of a sudden Wednesday happened. And Wednesday was bananas because at work this happened and this happened and this happened. And it was super frustrating. 
And, and when that happened, I, like all of a sudden, like this thing I mean, with my kid, there's complications there. But you know what? By Saturday, some things started to work out like they were working out. And I, I started feeling like, that's awesome. It's so wonderful. But honestly, I don't know what to do with the beginning part of the week because the, the issue with my kid is still an issue. I'm like, awesome, you did it. Like, I did what? You just had a conversation with me. They said, and they would say, yeah. And I say, and you did it out loud. Good for you. You use your mouth and you, like, you told me how your week was. You didn't even stutter. We're like, yeah. I'm like, that's conversation. And what, what prayer is, conversation is conversation with a person who happens to be God. That's all it is. Why do you think that we have a hard time praying out loud as, as Christians? Just think about it. Like, why, why do we have a hard time praying out loud in a group of other people? Are we worried about God judging us? Or are we worried about others? Because honestly, I think the majority of us, we're worried about like, man, they're going to they're gonna think I stink at prayer. And guess what? You probably do. That's awesome. Because again, Jesus is not after fancy prayers. He's after what? Real, authentic, stuttery, incomplete sentence prayers. Prayers that the grammar's not even solid. Prayers that are, that are basically just like you. Like, Sometimes it's just a sentence prayer. He loves authentic, real prayers. If you talk to someone else one way and you feel like you need to pray to God a different way, you've missed what Jesus is saying right here. He wants authentic prayers. Talking to God the Father. And that's the great thing. You're talking to God. God's high and lifted up and we are lowly and yet at the same time God wants us to have authentic conversation with him that's why he starts the Lord's prayer by saying when you're talking to God talk to him like dad our father who art in heaven high and lifted up and yet there's still that authenticity we have the ability to have authentic not fancy prayers um, I want to just challenge you if you're someone who's who's just kind of getting into praying like, you're, let's just say that you're, you've, you're just becoming a Christian, and you're like, I want to start praying. I want to challenge you, especially if you're a new Christian, to start praying differently than the people who have been Christian for 15 or 20 years pray. Because some of them are like, prayers are supposed to be quiet, in my head prayers. Just forget that. Um, I want you to start praying out loud. Now, the way that you talk to people, talk to God the way that you naturally talk to other people. And if that's, if that's something that you're just on-ramping to, whether you've been a Christian for two minutes or even if you've been a Christian for 20 years, but you feel awkward praying out loud, I want to challenge you to do a couple things. First off, if you are around anybody at dinner time, pray for dinner. Have people take turns praying for dinner. See who could be the worst prayer. And, and, that, and that's the winner because the person who's the worst prayer in the room who stutters or they, they can't get through a sentence when they're praying, they could talk fine when their eyes are open, when their eyes are closed, it's hard, but they're doing it. That's the winner. That's awesome. Have an opportunity for people to thank God. God, I just want to thank you for the fact that we have Taco Bell again tonight. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's a real non-fancy prayer. And practice that out loud. When, practice it praying out loud. If, you're, if that's even like a, a leap for you, what I like to tell people to do is when you're driving to work or you're driving to school or you're driving to the grocery store, on one leg, either there or coming back, talk to God out loud. Turn off the radio, turn off the podcast, turn off the music. You can listen to those on the way home or, or, or whatever, but, but for the one leg, go ahead and just focus on talking to God out loud. You're driving. Do this today. Do this tomorrow on the way to a Memorial Day thing or, or do this on Tuesday on the way to work. You're driving. If you do this on a bicycle, it works too. It's just weirder. You're driving and just pray out loud and just like, God, I'm driving. 
going up Ridge Road. I don't know why I'm doing this. This is really weird. I don't know why Pastor Errol told me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to work, and I don't like my work. I kind of am having a real hard time with one of my coworkers, and I just I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I know you love them, but I can't stand them. I'd be really okay if they never existed, to be honest, between you and me, God. So God, maybe just help me see that person the way you see them. I don't know. And God, I'm going to go home today, and honestly, the conversation I had with my wife before I left is not going to make coming home great today. I don't know what to do, because honestly, I feel like sometimes it's two steps forward and 150 steps back. I, I don't, I'm clueless. I am in the dark. I need your help. And you can say that out loud as you're driving. You can do that. Practice that. And as I've said before, if you're talking to God out loud and you're like at a, at a red light, and all of a sudden you realize that there's a car next to you, also at the red light, watching you, and they look in the back of your car and they realize there's no one else in your car, but you're talking. It's okay. It's like, just do this. <laughs> and it totally, it's fine. Practice that. God wants real prayers, authentic, non-fancy prayers. Now to the person that was all about showboating their prayers, he gives a remedy in the next couple verses. He says this, but when you pray, go into Where? Your room. Okay, is that a sacred space? Is your room a sanctuary? I mean, some of yours might be, but that's weird. Jesus takes the sacred and he moves it to the place where you snore. How bizarre is that? I mean, this is, you got to love Jesus, what he's doing here. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Like this is, again, I mean, how do you not love Jesus? Jesus is amazing. He's making, what, and what is he doing? He's making communication with God relational, not formal. Not only is he after real, not fancy, he wants authenticity, he wants relational, not formal. He, he, and again, if you're someone who's still on the fence about your faith, and you're like, I don't like organized religion. I've, I've been around religious people and religions, and, I, and honestly, all of them just, I, I've had enough of it. I, I know enough about them that I don't want to have anything to do with them. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus. You've got to love Jesus, because he is the only founder of a world-formalized religion that did so by deformalizing religion. Jesus takes the formal and makes it relational. Forget about taking prayer to schools. He's taking it out of church. He's saying that he's busting down the walls of church and saying, you, all, the religious people always want to formalize things and keep them in the formal spaces. This is safe. Formal faith is safe. If I know that I go to church to meet with God, I go to church to pray to God, and that's where I keep it, that means that every other day of the week I'm a free agent. I do whatever I want. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. The temple, the synagogue, the mosque, the, the church, these are not the place to go and pray. In fact, this is, we're doing free-range praying here. This is like cage-free prayers in the wild where we get a chance to pray anywhere and everywhere. And he's deformalizing religion. Why? Because Jesus hates formalized religion? No. But because what we, he hates what we do when we make distant what God intended to be close. When we make distant 
this communication with God, something that he intended to be close and relational, he hates that. And we're awesome at it. We make distant what God intended to be close. Instead, again, he talks through how we're talking to God as a father. He wants us to communicate in a way that we, that we recognize that we don't have the walls of the church as the boundaries of our prayer life, but that Jesus has broken the walls down and that we're everywhere we're going, whether you're in school or you're at work or you're in prison or you're, or you're being pulled over by a cop or you're the cop pulling someone over, that you are able to pray, that you are someone who has the opportunity to pray and it's beyond the, the, the walls of the church. He did that there, but he didn't stop there because when Jesus goes to the cross, he dies on the cross and as he takes on the sin of all humanity, all of a sudden, the opportunity for heaven and earth to be met has been met. We have the opportunity to be in relationship with God where we are now made holy. Something took place at the temple, the place where people go to meet with God. Jewish people had an understanding that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But if you really want to know where God really is, it's in the temple. And if you really want to know where God really is in the temple, it's in the Holy of Holies. And we make sure that there's an awesome dividing wall. It's this like massive curtain that just imagine like this thick, like eight or nine inches of, of denim that's all sewn together. Super, super like massively thick, all the way on up, massive, massive dividing wall to let people know and to remind people where the Holy of Holies, the presence of God is, you aren't. None of the priests go there except for one, one time of year. It is so holy. And when Jesus dies on the cross, God and humanity have an opportunity to be bridged. And what took place, scripture says, this is amazing. All of a sudden, that dividing, that massively thick denim, that nothing could rip it, is torn in two in the very moment that Jesus dies all of a sudden exposing and opening up the Holy of Holies. And anyone who was paying attention at the time must have thought that, do you see what this means? Do you see what this means? Like all of us, like we've always wanted to go to the temple to meet with God, but there's always been this barricade. Like I'm a Gentile, so this is all that I can go, I can only go to this point. Or I'm a, a, a woman, I can only go to this point. Or I'm a man, but not a priest, so I can only go to this person. Or I'm a priest, but I'm not the high priest, so I can only go to this point. Or I'm the high priest, but it's not the day of atonement, so I can't even go there. And all of a sudden, whoo, the Holy of Holies is exposed. And most people must have thought, now we can go and meet in here with God. And they would be wrong to have thought that. That's not what God was saying. God was saying, not, I'm not opening this up so that everyone can come into this building and meet with me. I'm opening this up to let you all know that I am going out. I am omnipresent. And I'm not just for you. I'm not just for the Jewish people. I'm not just for the Hebrew people. Jesus says after he rises from the grave, that this is for this message, this good news is for all kinds of peoples. And he uses the word for all ethnicities. That means that beyond Palestinian area Hebrew people, that this faith was actually going to be even for white people, even for Asian people, even for African-American people or African Costa Rican people or Hispanic people. This is for every people. And like all of a sudden, all these ethnicities have access to Jesus. He wanted it to be beyond that. Why? Because he was, he was breaking the boundaries down and that's what took place. He, he wants our connection with him to be real, not fake, relational, not formal. And he says this, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Okay, now when I think of a pagan, 
Honestly, most, most of the time when I think of a pagan, I don't think of someone, well, I think of someone that's like non-religious. Like that dude is such a pagan, such a pagan. Like outside of faith, doesn't do anything, like basically totally non-religious person. But back in the day, pagans were the super, uber duper religious people. Like the highly religious people were the pagans. In fact, um, if you think about it, like most in the first century, a lot of pagan people looked at Christians like they were atheists. In fact, they, they even wrote about them. Like these dang atheist Christians, like they don't believe in all the gods we believe in. They just stop believing in all these gods. And they believe there's only one atheists. And that's, that's how they looked at Christians. So pagans were highly religious people, highly, highly like people that would pray. And the way that you as a highly religious person would pray is that you would just basically go, look, our God needs to be appeased and he needs to hear us. And so I'm going to pray. And if I don't get it right, I'm going to pray louder. And if I don't get it right, I'm going to keep on repeating it over and over again. Kind of like, you know, remember when you have like, um, how many of you guys remember before facial identification on your phones when you had to like actually like type in the code? How many of you have ever typed in the code and you got it wrong? Yeah? Frustrating, right? And then you try it again and then you got it wrong again. You're like, am I losing my mind? What is my code? You remember it? And it's still, and then you do it a couple more times and then what would happen? It'd lock you out. And you're like, no! And then finally, you'd, like you, you, you're in locked out prison for however many minutes, then all of a sudden you're done and, and all of a sudden you type it in really slowly. You're like, and then whew, it's unlocked. You're like, oh, yes. And you're just thinking, I will never ever type it in fast again. I'm going to get it exactly right. I'm going to be very, very intentional. And some people think that's, pagans would think that's how prayer works. Prayer works by me like I'm going to pray this exactly right. And if I get it right, exactly right, then God's going to hear me and he's going to answer my prayer. Okay? Wingardia Leviosa. It's going to be exactly right. And if I get it exactly right, then God's going to answer my prayer. If you watch the movie Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, if you haven't watched it, don't. But if you have watched it, there's a scene in it that illustrates this concept. There's a guy that's being um, lowered into a, a very hot demise. Let's just put it that way. He doesn't have the heart to get out of the situation because his heart was already removed. But he's going down. And as he's going down, all of a sudden he says, Omom Shivaye, Omom Shivaye, Omom Shivaye. He's repeating over the same phrase over and over again. I remember being like a 13-year-old watching this going, I don't know what he's saying, but he's saying it over and over and over and over again. The closer he gets to the heat, over and over and louder and louder and louder and louder. Why? That's what pagans would do. You babble on because you got to, my God must not hear me. And so I'm going to say it again and again and again and again and again and again. Because he's a cosmic vending machine. I'm just going to get, I got to get the code right. I got to get the spell right. And then he will understand me. No, don't be like that. For the pagans, they think that they're going to be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need. This is why Jesus is calling for us to have a relaxed approach, not a frantic approach to our prayer. When we're praying, we can actually come to prayer with peace. And this is why. Number one, God is sovereign. It means that God is in control. I'm, talk, I'm not talking to someone by saying, okay, Lord, here's the thing. I know you don't know what's going on this week, so I'm going to take a couple minutes here just to fill you in. You don't need to debrief God on what's going on. God already knows what's going on in your life. So you're going to someone who has not only the knowledge, but the authority to, under, to, to be able to, to help us come alongside his will. So God is sovereign. That's why we could pray, relax. Not only is God sovereign, but God's a good father. You're talking to someone who's there for you, no matter what. He loves you. You're not talking to a cold and personal. Again, Jesus couches the Lord's prayer by saying, this is how you, you, you start your prayer. Our Father 
The relational side of it is so important. He wants us to be coming, not like we're, we're, we're applying for a loan, but we're coming in relaxed, not frantic. I've shared this illustration before, but I, when I was a little kid, my dad um, was a pastor at this ginormous mega church. It was humongous, like, like 97 people on a good weekend. It was huge, giant. And we lived in this, this apartment building. And I thought I was the richest kid in the world living in this apartment building because the apartment building had a, an in-ground swimming pool. And I was like, wow, we are moving on up. I have an in-ground pool that I get to have to myself and share with the hundreds of other people. It's awesome. And so like, I remember as a kid, like just going in there and like my parents were like, stay in the shallow end, which I was cool because uh, the deep end, that's where Jaws lived. And so I was like, awesome, hanging out in the, in the shallow end. And I would just like, I couldn't really swim. And so I would just like go around the pool, like on the edge, like holding on, you know, doing laps around the pool with your hands. I mean, my hands looked like, like carpenter's hands by the end of the day, but I was like, you know, just doing that. And my dad would see that we were kind of flirting with the deep end, but too scared to go over there. And so my dad would say, hey, jump on my back. Jump on my back. I'll swim you over there. I'm like, no, 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 no. My dad's like, no, no, it's okay. Now, my dad, my dad's back then especially was a big guy. He was a big guy. Just think polar bear. And he was a big guy, and he, and he, and he has like um, this mandarin orange uh, t-shirt that he'd wear to the pool. I don't know why I remember that, but I remember the graphic that was on the t-shirt. My dad, this big polar bear looking guy um, with this mandarin orange t-shirt, and he would tell me to get on his back, and he's in the pool, and I'd get on his back like a cat. You know, like I'm just like holding on for dear life, and I'm just like, like Aladdin on, on, a, on the magic carpet, just like doing this type of thing, just sitting on the back of my dad's back, and he would just swim and just and I just remember thinking how amazing it was that I am not dying. And he would swim, and then he would start to go over towards the deep end. And as we're going over the deep end, I'm like, oh, there's the drain. That's where, that's where Jaws is coming out of. And he would just keep on going. And I remember just like going like, this is a, I'm not drowning. This man is buoyant. He is keeping me up. And not only that, he's just got this power to just like navigate through the water. And I just remember like going, feeling such, to this day, just such peace from that feeling of holding on to my dad's back. When we pray, we're praying to God, our Father. We're not frantic. We have the capacity to be relaxed. God is after real prayers not fancy prayers. If you're after fancy prayers, this is the wrong church and the wrong faith. God wants to hear your stuttery, unimpressive, average, subpar prayers. So start. Make sure that you remember that this is relational. He's doing this because he wants a proximity to you. And be relaxed. A lot of us in here are going through really hellish times. And so it's, uh, it takes a lot to be relaxed. I get that. But you're talking to the sovereign God who's not blindsided by life. Now the truth is, is that in our, wor our world when tragedy strikes, oftentimes we as Christians give a, a pretty petty response by telling people, I'm praying for you. And our world has had a response to that. And the response is, you know what? I'm kind of done with that. Your thoughts and prayers are great. That's awesome. But that means nothing to me. Because when you say that, you walk away and you do nothing. I think whenever we see a tragedy like what took place in, in Texas, everybody, every human being is saying something should happen. What, what could we have done? How could we change? And everyone's got different perspectives on the solution. But any person with a heart says this should not be. 
And a Christian's response is to pray. And unfortunately, our world has got a perspective that prayers are basically the same as a thought. Like, I'm going to think about you, and that's going to do nothing. And here's the thing. I don't believe that these are the same. I believe that prayers have a lot more to do with action. And here's why. If we pray the way we typically pray, oh, I'll pray for you. You're going through something bad, I'll pray for you. Then yeah, that's basically, these are the equivalent. But I believe that when we pray the way Jesus called us to pray, it transforms us. Not only are we bringing issues before a God who can actually do something about them, but a God who we can trust even when he doesn't give us what we ask for. But on top of that, this action thing is huge. Here's why. Just imagine if every American, not every Christian in the world, but every American, millions and millions and millions of people, actually said, I'm going to dedicate myself to the Lord's way of praying. I'm going to dedicate myself to waking up each day saying, God, you are in control of my life. I'm in relationship with you, and your way is going to be more important than my way today. Your way is going to be more important than my way today. Here are some things that are on my heart, and I'm bringing them to you, and it gives me peace to know that you know about them. I'm asking you to forgive me because I know that I'm messed up. And I'm asking you to help me to look around at other people I can extend forgiveness to. So now all of a sudden prayer is not just this, this psychological exercise, but I'm actually impacting. I'm like forgiving people. I'm extending grace to others. All of a sudden in workplaces and schools, grace and forgiveness and compassion is being spread. And on top of that, God's transforming me because all through the day I'm sensitized to his will, not my will. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so when I'm looking around, I'm seeing things that are messed up. I'm looking at that not going... Huh, well, and I'm just going on my own way. I look at that and I step in. When I see someone hurting, I step close. Because your will, not my will, on earth as it is in heaven. And if every human being that's a Christian in this country did that, we would look and see so much less so many less examples of the toxicity and brokenness of sin and Satan getting his way because Christians would be sensitized to surrendering their will, their way, their day. And prayer was the thing that did it. There's this church in Los Angeles called Zoe Church and they responded after the shooting with, to something that a lot of us have felt like, why do we even pray? It doesn't seem to work. And they responded this way. Why do we still pray even when we see tragedy happen? And I want us to close this part of the service out. We're going to finish off with a song or two. But I want us to close by reading what Scripture has to say about this. Just a couple of verses. So if you could stand and read this with me. Read, read the per- verses with me. The, the question is, why do we pray? Because no prayer goes without response. How do we know that? Read this with me. I have called upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Church, why do we pray? We pray because God still cares. Read this with me. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Why do we pray? We pray because only Jesus can heal a broken heart. Read this. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Why do we pray? Because Jesus has the victory over sin and evil. Read this with me. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we pray? 
because sometimes it's all we can do. Read this with me. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, this world is starving for hope that we have access to. We have a God who cares enough to listen to us. Are you praying? Are you going to him real, relational, and relaxed? Are you being authentic with him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for the fact that you are someone who listens, that you established for us the reality that prayer is something that is done in relationship, not just simply casting a spell or or giving the right recipe to some divine cosmic Santa Claus or something. You're someone who actually cares. Lord, unite us with your way. You have set us free. You've allowed in us to have the liberty of forgiveness. Let us be the people who are boldly living that out in the darkness of the world around us. And let us be a people that are transformed on a day-to-day basis through prayer. And we give you the thanks for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,